What up, Drama Army? Welcome back to So Dramatic. Actually, welcome to the season one grand finale. Yes, the grand finale of season one of So Dramatic is finally here. Can you believe that it has been almost a whole year of so dramatic drama? And what a year it has been, honestly. From abusive voice memos from Amanda and friends, to Nadine going rogue and spilling the tea after being only on TV for like, what, one second? <laughs> to Kiki, Renee and Cheyenne's first wives club, to Jamie Doran's miniseries, to all of the Married at First Sight drama over the last few months. It has been a wild ride. I need Valium just thinking about all of the shit that's gone down on this podcast over the past 12 months. But yes, all good things must come to an end eventually. So before our first birthday, I am taking a quick break to recharge the batteries and come back with a bang because God knows I need a break and a bang. Let's be honest. I have honestly been working so hard over the past 12 months, harder than Kris Jenner and the devil put together. And I wanna make sure that I'm ready to work even harder for you guys over the next 12. So this will be our last episode for a couple of weeks, but I will explain that in more detail at the very end of the episode, along with a few other important announcements. So make sure you stick around for that. Guys, full disclaimer, I know that I should finish with a bang today, but I am honestly struggling. I'm sick. <laughs> that was not fake. That actually just happened. I thought about having some alcohol to lift my spirits and get through the recording today, but I have honestly been drunk for a week now, so the thought of more alcohol honestly repulses me. We're going to do this episode sober. One so dramatic listener asked this week for a drunk episode on the Facebook group, and I was like, girl, every episode I'm drunk. So newsflash, all episodes are intoxicated Meg but yes no alcohol today because I've been drunk for a week now very professional of me I know I actually left my house three nights in a row this week after not even leaving for months when I go out I go out and then I disappear like a hermit for the next six months so that was my once a year hurrah and as you would have all seen on social media I had a friends reunion of my very own with some of this season's married at first sight contestants it was the friends reunion that nobody asked for but that you all got anyway. Or maybe you did ask, who knows? And guess who made a guest appearance? May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? I repeat, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? We're gonna have a problem here. Yes, important life update. My dreams came true. The heavens opened. God answered. Christmas came early. Some real life genie in a bottle shit happened. Yes, guys, I met the one and only Slim Shady. I was honestly so excited to meet Sam from Maths that when I saw him, I started playing Eminem in front of the whole venue and went up to him with like a subwoofer blasting in his face. People were looking at me like I'm freaking psycho. I was literally acting like Brittany Murphy did in 8 Mile, maybe crazier. So I walk up to Sam and I'm like, Slim Shady. <laughs> I embarrassed the fuck out of myself and out of him, but it was so funny. And then I start playing the song, everyone's staring at me. It was worth every second. So yes, I met Slim IRL in the flesh. If you weren't following my antics on Instagram, you were seriously missing out. And an inside scoop, he is actually way friendlier than I anticipated. Savage, but chill, polite, but also rude AF. He kind of reminds me of me. He's literally a boy version of me. For example, he was chatting to Tilly from Big Brother, Tilly Whitfield, who we all love, and he walks away and was saying something about what they'd spoken about and he forgot her name, right? He turns around to me and he's like, that cooked C from Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> and C does not stand for chick. But he did not compare anyone to a doormat and say it's a compliment. Maybe next time. The funniest thing that happened, though, was we were out at a club and he was sitting in the VIP booth and he freaking leant backwards into a curtain and fell out of the entire booth. I am not even kidding now. He literally backflipped off into a group of like 
scary man and then they had to pull him up and it was the funniest shit ever. Also, he is way more popular in real life than I expected. Like he had fans coming up to him. He was being harassed by guys. They're all shouting out like Gonzo. I love you, Gonzo, and all of this stuff. So yes, it was quite entertaining, very eventful. And yeah, that was my meeting of my favorite solo artist. I also met my favorite girl group, Booker, Alana, and Beck. They are seriously so freaking beautiful. I am obsessed with them. Tilly from Big Brother was there, Jesse from Love Island, Trent from The Bachelor. It was honestly the reunion to end all reunions. And I was the only non-famous person there. Actually, I kind of got FOMO about that because all night everyone was just talking about like what shows they were on and having fans come up to them for photos. And I felt a little bit left out, not going to lie. And so this chick was like, oh my God, you look so familiar. And I'm like, yes, I was on season two of Married at First Sight. That's why I look familiar. And then she asked for a photograph with me. So let's just hope that she posted that on Instagram <laughs> because her followers would have been like, who the hell is this random chick you're with? Love that for me. So yes, guys, on the weekend, I was very busy doing some real life investigation, some field work. I get an A plus in journalism school. Coming up today, Tully Smythe and her hot celebrity date. Two Bachelor alums are officially off the market. The return of not one, but two epic reality shows to look out for. Grab the popcorn. Farmer wants a wife. More like Farmer wants a criminal. Seems not even our wholesome dating show can escape the bad boys. Have we found Bryce 2.0? Even more Big Brother bombshells, the show that just keeps on giving, tea that is, including which contestants are reportedly dodgy and even more evidence that the show may be rigged as question marks are drawn over the final three. And wanting to leave the country. <laughs> I tell you how, or at least blue tickers will. Plus the mental health charity Bryce and Melissa have partnered up with to spread awareness. So much drama, so little time. Let's get into the show. But you're like the last person we can tell things to. You want to know something? I have some dirt. So juicy. Let's start as always with our celebrity sightings of the week. XOXO Gossip Girl. Spotted Tully Smythe on a date with Australian musician Flume. A source tells so dramatic. Tully Smythe went on a date with Flume a few weeks ago. My friend spoke to her at the Wolf on Chapel Street and she apparently was a little nervous and spilled the tea. Look, if I went on a date with Flume, I wouldn't just be spilling the tea. I would be putting it on a freaking billboard. Oh my God, oh my God. Spotted Tate Radley with a new girlfriend. Ali Ochen's Bachelorette winner Tate Radley is officially off the market. Tate confirmed this to So Dramatic this week that he's got a new girlfriend named Chelsea. He then went Instagram official with her and shared a number of loved up photos of them together on the gram. I will reshare these on Instagram at SoDramaticPodcast underscore. They look so cute together. Go and check them out. Ali and Tate broke up about a year ago now. Remember those spicy voice memos I had of girls claiming that Tate was a super spreader back in Adelaide? That was seriously the very early days of this podcast. How could we ever forget? I need to get my hands on more voice memos next season. Guys, if you're listening and you've got a voice memo, send it in ASAP. Oh my God, oh my God. Spotted Manu Fidel. This one is from one of our very own So Dramatic Facebook mods, Shay. She spotted Manu Fidel in Tasmania at Amber's Chocolate Factory. And naturally, she took a selfie with him and she tells us that she's now engaged and the rest is history. Cannot wait for their wedding. So cute. Oh my God. Oh my God. Spotted Ellie Miles on a date with former NRL star Shandor Earl. Actually, two dates. They went on a dinner date and then the following morning, they also went on a breakfast date. The FBI's so dramatic spy noticed his tattoo featuring in one of Ellie's snaps, well, a couple of her snaps from dinner and breakfast and sent the evidence in as any good drama army member would do. They then wrote, look... <laughs> Ellie trying to hide who she was at dinner with. Check the hand tattoo and match it to Shandor. They then sent all of the photos in and they said, they definitely went to breakfast together the day after. Wonder if there was a sleepover in between. Oh my God, oh my God. Spotted Ryan Gallagher on Tinder. This week, former Married at First Sight and I'm a Celebrity star Ryan Gallagher announced that he's doing a new stand-up comedy show called Reality's Ducked focusing on his time on reality TV, because that is exactly what the world needs more of. Washed up reality stars telling jokes. But that is not the only place he's been spilling tea about his reality TV experience. One woman got a private show. 
He has been doing the rounds on dating app Tinder and he's been dropping some bombshells to potential suitors. One woman who swiped right on his profile and got a private show of her own recently dished to So Dramatic. Hey, not sure how to contact you as I'm only on my first episode of the show. Love that for her. What a ride she's in for. Brackets already addicted. Or if this is something you report on, but I found Ryan Gallagher on Tinder. I live in Canberra and he lives in Goulburn. I'm not sure if my screenshots are proof enough, but we talked for a few days and during that he basically said that he was into permanent hair removal on women. He much preferred a full bush, like super hairy. He wanted me to grow out my hair before we met, brackets, if we were going to, and that he likes women with no makeup or plastic surgery. I then asked why he dated Charlotte Crosby on I'm a Celebrity and he said he was never into her because of these reasons. Wow, the audacity of men to judge women on their appearance. So, it looks like Ryan's comedy show isn't the only time he'll be going bush. Fun fact, Charlotte is also currently in Australia to promote her podcast, so let's hope her media tour doesn't coincide with Ryan's comedy show. Oh my God, oh my God. Exciting news about the return of one of our OG reality TV shows. I have it on good authority that The Mole is returning to screens later this year. Not a cancerous mole you pray you don't find on your back when you go to the skin cancer clinic. Slip, slop, slap anyway, guys. But the reality TV show The Mole, which was honestly my favorite show in the entire world growing up. I was obsessed with it. A source tells me that they are in the process for casting for this show at the moment. Apparently, Big Brother Shane Vincent applied for the series, as well as a number of other reality stars who have been asked to apply. I've also been told that they're going to rebrand the show as it's appearing on Netflix this time, but the premise will be the same as The Mole. Game on, moles. Oh my God, oh my God. Another new show coming to screen soon that I am so excited to watch is Lux Listing Sydney. This reality TV series, as the name suggests, will dive into Sydney's real estate market, one of the most expensive, breathtaking and competitive in the world. It features top real estate agents Gavin Rubenstein, Delianne Lewis and Simon Cohen at the helm. It's been described as a mix between Selling Sunset and Million Dollar Listing, which I know everyone is obsessed with at the moment. This will air on Amazon Prime Video very soon, and I've been told that it's actually next month that it's coming to our screens. Now, in a twist no one saw coming, some of our very own beloved Bachelor stars will also be appearing on the show. Drum roll, please. The Bachelorettes and fellow Sydney housemates Trent Cray, Shannon Caraca, and Adam Todd have all landed themselves gigs as extras on Lux listings. So they were all cast as topless waiters for one scene in the show, which was centered around a bachelorette party. Yes, bachelorette stars hosting a bachelorette party. How original. Another interesting tidbit about this is that is actually how Trent Cray met his current girlfriend, Bianca. She was also cast as an extra for the series and they struck up a romance on set during filming. What a beautiful love story. Definitely one to tell the grandkids. Oh my God. Oh my God. Now I have to read out my favorite tip off about Bryce this week. I have been limiting myself to one tip off about Bryce per episode max because I know that we're all sick of hearing about him, but the content is also too good to pass up. This tip off said, so many years ago, Bryce went to the primary school where I work at. One of the staff members who is still at the school now remembers him and his mother. And we all would remember Bryce's mother, Dana, as the woman who made those horrible memes about Beck, where she compared her to a horse. That's the one. The one we thought that had a good character arc, but we were all sadly mistaken, unfortunately. The source went on, there was a competition on the radio at the time and the prize was quite a large amount of money. She and her bestie both agreed to go on and try and ring up. And if they got through and won, they would split the winnings 50-50. When Bryce's mum won, she refused to honour the deal. (laughs) Apparently, World War III kicked off between the families. It got so bad that at one point, the losing family had an entire tip truck dump dirt into the offender's pool, i.e. Bryce's mum. I think Bryce may have learnt from the best. I am so obsessed with that tip. That is iconic. Now, while we're on the topic of Bryce, I'm going to squeeze in one more story. Bryce has been going so hard with his new career. He's doing cameo shout outs for $60 a pop. And I just happened to get my hands on one. So I'm going to play it for you guys now. Your friend Macaulay's reached out to me and said that you can't find a man to love you. Well, it's their loss. Like, I'm sure you're out there doing your thing. And you know what? When the time is right, the time's right. That's all I got for you. 
Hey Bryce, don't quit your day job. Oh wait. Oh my god, oh my god. Speaking of Bryce, I think we may have found Bryce 2.0 on Farmer Wants a Wife already. In this week's episode of producers not caring about the safety of cast members is the wholesome show we've all been looking forward to to cleanse our palates after Married at First Sight, Farmer Wants a Wife. The reality show, which is starting again on July 4th, launched a TikTok account to introduce us to the farmers this week. Love that initiative from their social media team. Until it backfired very badly. One farmer's intro, known as Farmer Sam, read, Farmer Sam is a lover of family and adventure. Will he find someone to love too? July 4 on Channel 7. But his intro wasn't taken as positively as you might have hoped. The comment section was as vicious as a Married at First Sight dinner party. Turns out Farmer Sam isn't quite the farmer he claims to be. All the non-data. One commenter left a cryptic, there's a reason he's still single comment. Another described him as a gronk. Savage. (laughs) Others were not so kind and even outed him for having a secret girlfriend. Yes, another secret girlfriend. They said, my friend knows this guy and can confirm he has a girlfriend. Another wrote, yes, my friend knows this guy too and he had a long-term girlfriend whilst filming this show. God, he must have been copying Bryce's homework or something. Another then claimed that he borrowed his brother's farm to get onto the show and that he's actually not a farmer. He's a truck driver. They said, yep, when you find out he isn't a farmer and used his brother's farm to get on the show. Then someone else said, how do you know that? They wrote, he's a truck driver and works for the same company as my husband. There's a reason why he's still single. Then another person chimed in and said, it's actually a family farm. He had to borrow stock and machinery from local farmers. It's not even a farm. It's only four paddocks. It's a block. Is this for real? So these girls go on this show for cute, cuddly baby animals, and instead they get the cheating truckie. (laughs) Wow. But even more shocking than this and scarier is the allegations that he has had multiple AVOs taken out on him. One woman wrote, when they find out that he had a girlfriend on the show and has multiple AVOs on him for being abusive. Now, this is all alleged claims, by the way. Don't shoot or sue the messenger. But honestly, do these shows not do any simple, basic background checks? Earlier this year, we had a former contestant from this franchise being charged with being a pedophile. Honestly, the producers on Farmer Wants a Wife make the Married at First Sight producers look like freaking saints. How can they not know about these things and then yet it gets exposed in a simple TikTok comment thread? So the tea on this thread was absolutely scalding hot and the social media team decided to turn off the comments. I wonder if we'll still see Sam searching for love in a few weeks time or if they're going to pull him from the show. Watch this space. One woman who was almost cast for this show dished even more tea to So Dramatic about this scandal and also revealed a new plot twist coming to this season of Farmer Wants a Wife. They said, Hey Megan, I actually went through the whole casting process for this show, so if you want further information on what they're asking for, I'm happy to help. Also signed a confidentiality waiver not to tell anyone, but they are adding some sort of element where the family of each farmer is choosing a girl for the farmer too this season. I was chosen for this with Farmer Sam, but turned it down in the end due to the mess around with everything. They told me I was chosen just five days before they wanted me to go on, after initially telling me I was rejected three weeks before this. So they told me I was rejected and they were like, oh, if someone was to drop out later, would you be interested? And I said, call me if it happens. They called me two weeks later asking me to sign a confidentiality waiver. They then called me back after I'd signed it saying they've added this extra element they couldn't tell me about until then that the family is choosing a girl each and they wanted me to go on as the family's choice. But I didn't end up filming anything as I just started a new job and decided it wasn't worth going on the show for. Also, they call you for a full background check and they ask you whether you've got any disgruntled exes or anything you'd be embarrassed about if it got out into the media. So I guess he lied there. Laughing face emoji. I guess he did. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was reported that Big Brother was inundated with tens of thousands of applicants for this current season, maybe even hundreds of thousands. However, despite being spoiled for choice with potential applicants, one contestant tells So Dramatic that most of the cast were actually headhunted by casting producers for this season. They said hardly anyone from this season actually applied to go on the show. They were all headhunted. SJ, Danny and Ari all didn't apply. They were scouted by producers. They got in touch with Danny after seeing his YouTube videos. SJ already had connections to Sonia, More on that in a minute. Ari had connections to Channel 7. He actually interned for them when he was at uni and he also had connections to other contestants. 
More on that in a minute too. It just puts a huge question mark over the show and their intentions when casting. This contestant also confirmed the rumor that Martha Kalafatidis was asked to go on Big Brother as well. They said, yes, it's true. Martha was asked to be an intruder. She was going to come in halfway through and shake things up. She was originally asked when Mary was, and then they were sold as a package deal. But then Martha got offered Celebrity Apprentice, which is obviously better for her career. So she took that and pulled out at the 11th hour, leaving Mary to go on the show alone. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, guys, let's get into more Big Brother goss. Spoiler alert ahead. If you do not want to know the final three, I do advise skipping the rest of this segment. So since this is the last episode before the Big Brother finale, I'm going to dish out some juicy tidbits from this season. Christina has been telling some of the housemates that if she wins the $250,000, she's going to be spending it on a BBL, a Brazilian butt lift. Love that for Christina. I would probably be spending the money on the same thing. Let's be honest. Christina and Tilly didn't get along at all in the house. They were bickering constantly. Tilly openly told contestants she thought Christina was using Brenton and a man to get to the end. Ouch. The reality TV pyramid scheme continues. Twins Charlotte and Alex McChrystal know former Big Brother star Sky Wheatley from before the show. One contestant dished that they're also going to be doing some sort of collaboration with her after the show. Get that money, honeys. It wasn't just Mitch and Charlotte and Brenton and Christina and Christina and Mitch who had sparks flying between them in the house. Adriana and Danny were also getting along very well in the house and housemates tell So Dramatic that they had definite chemistry, sparks were flying and they were flirting all of the time and spending a lot of time together. There was a huge fight in the Big Brother house that never made it to air. One contestant dishes to So Dramatic. There was a serious fight in the Big Brother house between Jesse, Katie and a few other people. Not a punch on, but it was very verbal and it got quite heated. Tilly was in the diary room at the time and producers didn't want her to get caught up in it so they wouldn't let her leave the diary room for ages until it was over because they were trying to protect her. But she ended up being stuck in there for hours because the fight was so explosive. She was the baby in the house. Everyone looked after her. When getting evicted, both Katie and Jess asked production to put them back in the house and begged Big Brother to give them a second chance on the show. One contestant dishes to So Dramatic, Katie and Jess thought they could get an exemption because they were big names. They asked if producers could find a way to put them back in the house, but they said no. So their sneaky plan didn't work. One contestant also got in touch with So Dramatic this week and said, yes, Danny has been given the best edit known to man, considering what he did inside that show. Now, I went into detail on Danny's time on the show in episode 82. Go back and listen to that if you haven't already. It is quite juicy. However, I also got a tip off this week. Now, I just want to preface this by saying that this was from an anonymous Instagram account. So all of the information is alleged. Take it with a grain of salt as you will. The tip off read, hi there. I've seen some of your Big Brother posts, especially the ones debating whether it's rigged or not. I worked on the show and thought I'd throw my two cents in. Maybe you'll see this. Maybe you won't. Anyway, I don't know if the producers proper rigged the show But they definitely edited Daniel in a much more flattering light, which is saying something because he still comes across as an asshole. (sighs) I couldn't stand him. He was allegedly racist, sexist and took things way too far. Early on in the competition, he, Nicholas and Katie had a really ugly screaming match that was never aired. So that backs up the tip off that I received above. When an elimination didn't go his way one time, he told us he threatened to punch the camera crew. I honestly think he's an awful human being and the producers have been very kind to him. Wow, that is some explosive shit, if true. Oh my God, oh my God. Last week, I revealed the final three contestants for Big Brother 2021. Since then, a few contestants have come forward to So Dramatic and have said that there is anger among the contestants about who the final three are because many of them don't think that it's fair. They explained to So Dramatic, two people in the top three both got evicted and saved by Big Brother, so they technically shouldn't even be there. They should have been evicted earlier on. Why do the votes from the final three have to be legal and fair, but the journey to get there doesn't? Marley is the only one who was never saved. He got there on his own accord. Marley deserves to win the most out of the whole cast, and not only because he was never evicted, but because his mum died at 21 of cancer. His dad owned a dressmaking business. He is so beautiful and his family really needs the money the most. 
Oh, poor Marley. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Not only does this contestant think that it would be unfair if SJ and Christina won over Marley, but they told So Dramatic that it's also unfair that Marley has hardly been given any airtime on the show. All the people getting airtime are trying so hard for it, and they get it. When you have someone like Christina desperately trying to, and of course, they're going to get it because they're doing whatever they can to make the show entertaining. Marley wasn't desperate for airtime or willing to hook up with someone just to get it. They aren't showing how funny, kind, loyal, and true to his word he was. Because apparently it's Love Island and not Big Brother. (laughs) They then explained that all the producers cared about was Christina and her romance with Brenton. They said, producers are pushing a good edit for Christina because they want her to be the love story. They needed the relationship for ratings, so it's unfair that Christina is getting all the airtime. They don't show the bad stuff she did because they wanted to portray a cute couple. They really only show one side as they need the relationship to look cute. They had a love story with Sophie and Chad last year win. It needs to be different this year. Another contestant then added that they think that the entire show is rigged. They agree with episode 82. They said, The edit is clearly wrong as every contestant who leaves says that they want Marley to win and clearly the edit does not reflect this. Christina was the second most nominated housemate because people didn't want her at the end. And then you have someone like Marley who is genuinely just loyal and kind and does his own thing. Why can't we show a nice person or give a nice person more airtime? It is so effed up how much they have edited it, especially when there is $250,000 at stake. They added, it would be so great to see a person of color win one of these godforsaken shows. We now have two bachelors of color. It would be great to make it a trifecta. I agree. Oh my God. Oh my God. Now, as mentioned above, there have also been questions raised over SJ's relationship with Sonia Kruger and whether it's fair that she was cast for the show given that they were friends before filming. One contestant tells So Dramatic, SJ has also been given an unfair advantage. She has been voted out of the house twice. Both times she's been saved by Big Brother and given super insane power. The first time, she was given the ability to listen to anyone's conversation in the house from a secret bunker, allowing her to hear other people's strategies. The second time, she was saved and took Dan to the head of house suite and also given the power to again listen to people's conversations plus control the game by telling housemates what to do. Not to mention the power of nominating someone and then being able to vote for them, which you already touched on. Many of us actually think SJ has connections with producers and they are using that power to make her win. She never mentioned her friendship with Sonia in the house or even mentioned that she knew her before the show. She's a smart lady, but something fishy is up. Oh my God, oh my God. SJ isn't the only contestant who has a connection to production. Ari does as well. One contestant tells So Dramatic, something dodgy is up with Ari. I found out that he used to work as a producer at Channel 7 for Sunrise. He told a few of us about it and then we asked producers and they confirmed it. It's a little bit weird that they would put someone who works for Channel 7 on the show. It's all a bit sus. Then suddenly the producers started asking everyone who they were going to take to the end. They were sussing out who everyone was going to choose. Producers advised them not to take Ari to the end. I think they wanted to make sure he left before the finale in case it came out that he works for Channel 7 and questions would be asked. They couldn't risk it, so they made sure he left before it became an issue. So as we know, as I mentioned, Ari does come forth, so that checks out. Another contestant said, everyone was told not to take Ari to the finale. So it makes sense that maybe he did work for Channel 7 and they couldn't have him at the end because they were worried it would come out and look bad for them. One contestant even questioned if Ari had been helping Christina get to the end and coach her through the show. They dished, he might have even been a mole for producers, puppeteering from within the show for them. It's very sus and he worked for Seven then appeared on their biggest show. I then did some digging and found a LinkedIn post from 2018 from McClay College. They said, Current student Ari nailed his dream internship at Sunrise on Channel 7 thanks to McClay's support. It was a massive testament to my teacher who made sure I got the right information and put my best foot forward, Ari said. Ari also had his internship at Channel 7 listed on his LinkedIn profile before filming. However, once filming commenced, he removed it from his LinkedIn profile, which is now on private. Interesting. One person then wrote on the So Dramatic Facebook group, My friend was close with him at uni and he basically lied to everyone about being rich there as well. No one really knows his true story. 
He also told everyone he was meant to be on the Rich Kids of Sydney show as well, so not sure if he's just a compulsive liar or actually rich. Ha ha ha. He also posted a photo back in 2019 of a new Mercedes-Benz car that he purchased. I don't know any 19-year-olds who can afford a Mercedes-Benz at 19, but love that for Ari. He also made a post in 2018, so he would have been about 18 then, saying, I should buy shares in this company for the amount of money I spend in it. Hashtag Ralph Lauren. So something is definitely not adding up with Ari. This is bad behavior. Everybody calm down. It's a case for the FBI. So scandalous. Guys, this next segment discusses domestic violence and suicide. If either of these topics are triggering for you, I do advise skipping this segment. Last week on their very, very popular podcast, Bryce and Melissa did an episode centered around mental health. Now, a few weeks before this episode dropped, I received a tip off from someone who works for a national mental health organization, and they said that Bryce reached out to them to work together on his podcast. This is what they said. Hey, I work for a national mental health organization, and Bryce reached out to us about wanting to go on his podcast. He wrote, a minority group of people labeled our relationship as one that replicated domestic violence. He then says that they are in a healthy relationship, brackets. That's like me saying I am on a healthy lifestyle plan whilst eating McDonald's for dinner (laughs) and drinking wine every night. Same plan I'm on. But would like to raise awareness on domestic violence issues. Newsflash fries, you have already raised enough awareness on domestic violence just by doing it on national TV for millions of people to see. They then went on. Happy for you to cover, just have to make sure the name of the charity isn't involved because of our reputation. Coercive control is yet to be defined as domestic violence, but we are lobbying for it. Way too muddy for us to align with him, and we would not want to be part of seemingly trying to cover or justify their behavior for them. I think he's going to try somewhere else now. They were intending for it to be an episode on their podcast soon. So it seems like they were trying to align with mental health charities for that podcast episode, but looks like they weren't able to convince any charities to join their cause. Another little tidbit I received was that Bryce is now being represented by InStyle Media, his current management, and someone got in touch to let me know that they were recently involved in a campaign fighting coercive control and domestic violence, which is very ironic as Bryce is the poster boy for both. And signing him is the antithesis of that campaign. Install Media also signed Patrick Dwyer, which is even more shocking given the seriousness of those sexual assault allegations his former girlfriend made about him on this podcast. That is episode 63 if you haven't already listened to that. So looks like Reese Power will be next to close the holy trinity of abusive men at Install Media. Now, I did reach out to InStyle Media for comment a couple of weeks ago regarding their choice to sign Bryce on their books. However, they did not respond to my request for comment. Now, if this wasn't concerning enough, a mental health charity, well, I say charity, but I'm actually using air quotes around the word because from what I can see, they seem to call themselves more of a community. The charity is called It's Okay Not To Be Okay, and they have aligned themselves with Bryce and Melissa and are using them to sell their products and spread their message. I was honestly shocked to see this after the bullying, trolling and harassment of others Bryce and Melissa have been undertaking in since Married at First Sight filming wrapped. Not to mention what Bryce did on the show and purely just the behavior they have both shown after the show, in particular towards Beck and Alana. Why would a brand like It's Okay Not To Be Okay want to align themselves with them? Bryce and Melissa recently conducted an Instagram Live together with some of their friends, during which they called Alana a psycho, they called Beck a number of horrible names, and Bryce's own mother even made horrible memes mocking Beck. Not to mention their involvement in the Liam saga and his public trolling of Samantha. Oh, and when Steve Burley told a woman to go and die on their Instagram Live, they both laughed at that. Yet, here they are advocating for suicide prevention with It's Okay Not To Be Okay. The irony. One listener who first brought their connection to this charity to my attention wrote in saying, Hey, I've just seen that It's Okay Not To Be Okay have aligned themselves with Melissa Rawson and Bryce and are using them to sell their products and spread their message. I'm absolutely certain that if they knew what she does in hers and others' Instagram stories, they may think twice. I personally don't have any footage to send them, but I have heard about Bryce, Melissa and Jason, etc. making Instagram stories mocking Liam and belittling cast members. 
If you have any of this footage or any info you can share with them, can you please forward it to them or at least make them aware of who they have representing their brand? I'm deeply concerned about this. I know it's a big ask, but it's a massive concern to me as a suicide survivor. Thank you so much. I love your podcast too. Keep up the amazing work. Now, I did reach out to It's Okay Not To Be Okay for a comment about this, asking them why they chose to align with Bryce and Melissa. I then sent them some examples of them bullying others and contributing to the decline of many other people's mental health. However, they did not respond. And it has been a number of weeks now. Very disappointing. Now, upon further investigation, this organization itself seems to be more of like a middleman of fundraising between the public and a chosen charity wherever they choose to donate the profits made on the merch. However, the charities aren't always disclosed. The majority of their marketing seems to have association with blue tick people. And I'm not shitting on their ways of promoting their important message. However, the whole association with Bryce and Melissa is honestly just giving me the ick factor. I do not think that is a good fit. Like the message is super relevant, but there may be another way to promote it to the masses that does not involve Bruce Ratherbland. I respect the work they do, but they do need to look into who they're getting to promote their work first, as it could have very detrimental effects to the whole organization. Like Bryce has single-handedly contributed to the decline of the mental health of many contestants, viewers, and the media reporting on it. And I know that a lot of you have been saying like, enough of Bryce, we get it. We do not want to hear about him. You're taking it too far, but you know what's going too far? Violence against women. There are hundreds of thousands of women out there who are scared of Bryce every single day who don't or can't leave. And this is why I am so passionate about talking about Bryce and his behavior and the effect that it's having on many other women out there. Guys, remember there is always help out there. If you or someone you know is suffering, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. This is bad behavior. Everybody calm down. It's a case for the FBI. So scandalous. Detective Megapus back on the case again this week, guys. I am getting to the bottom of the biggest scandal that occurred this week. Brittany Hockley and her airport dramas. And the bigger drama at hand here, how are influencers able to get exemptions to travel that ordinary pleb people aren't? Back in 2020, we saw a lot of influencers and reality stars flouting lockdown rules throughout all parts of Australia. From Tim Sims to Amanda Mikuliff, there was no reality show untouched by the blue tick bandits. And it seems that with great power, the power of a blue tick that is, comes great responsibility. So much responsibility, it seems that a few have been able to bypass the usually strict exemption laws that have allowed them to leave Australia. It seems that we have noticed a slew of blue ticks who have been able to find, I won't say loopholes, but crafty ways of overcoming the strict laws put in place by the Australian government to leave the country. This week, ex-Bachelor star Brittany Hockley boarded a flight to Mallorca. Brit is currently dating Australian tennis player Jordan Thompson. Not long after he left the country to continue playing his professional sport, Brit was hired as an admin assistant on his team. Ah, yes. The most essential part of any tennis player's journey to a Grand Slam is the admin duties. We all saw the drama that blew up this week at the airport, but after this all happened, I looked into it and saw that there are six reasons Australians can leave the country. The rules that stipulate you can be exempt for travel include your travel partner is part of the response to the COVID-19 outbreak, including the provision of aid. Your travel is for your business or employer. You are traveling to receive urgent medical treatment that is not available in Australia. You are traveling on compassionate or compelling grounds. You are traveling for urgent or unavoidable personal business. Your travel is in the national interest. I guess that her travel must be of national interest. Either that or her boyfriend has now become her employer. However, Laura Byrne recently said on her Instagram stories that Brit was, and I quote, moving for love. So it is all very confusing. Now, as we saw this week, upon leaving the country, Brit then ran into some problems at the airport and slammed the airway flying her across the Tasman, Eddie had airways, over the extra thousand dollars she was charged to take an extra bag over international borders. She was also denied an upgrade after she asked for one when checking in. In a series of Instagram stories, Brit showed us the cabin, which she seemed to be the only passenger in. Honestly, who needs an upgrade when you've got 100 chairs to play with? Brit wrote, so because I'm working overseas, I had to take an extra bag for equipment. So a total of two bags. I tried to book the extra bag online, but the website wouldn't let me. So I called up. They also wouldn't let me. Said it had to be done at the desk. Asked for a cost for an extra bag. She couldn't tell me she had no figures. 
I get to the airport, they charge me an extra $1,000 for one bag on an empty flight. $1,000 for one bag. So I asked if I have to pay an extra $1,000 now, can I at least get an upgrade? They said, no, they can't because it's a food thing. Actually unbelievable at Eddie had. She then added, FYI, first class and the other cabins had a few people in there. I get that they need to make money, but not being able to do it on the website or over the phone, then being stung $1,000 at the airport and no upgrade when I've paid the money anyway. And it made no difference once on the plane. Seemed like a lot. Like $1,000 for an extra bag under any circumstance is ridiculous. Asking for the upgrade is not being entitled, but that's what it costs to bid for the upgrade anyway, laughing face emoji. And the seats were empty. I've never flown anything but economy ever, so it would have been nice seeing as though I paid the extra anyhow at Etihad Airways, laughing face emoji. After posting another Instagram story where Brit said she didn't think asking for an upgrade was entitled behavior. The series of posts quickly copped backlash and it was the biggest news of the week. And I can see why, because being granted permission to leave the country to help out your tennis player boyfriend is a luxury and a privilege in this day and age. Many people would have loved that seat or paid anything and everything to be able to travel at the moment. So I'm thinking perhaps Britt probably should have kept this one to herself and off social media. Now, after this was shared by all media outlets, including the So Dramatic Instagram page, Britt then commented on the So Dramatic Instagram page and said that the stories coming out about this incident were insane. She said, the only thing I think is crazy is paying $1,000 for one bag. Tell me one person besides Kylie Jenner that doesn't think paying $1,000 for a bag is a lot. I've flown to over 50 countries and have never experienced this before. Also people saying I should be grateful. I am very. I don't think that people realize I'm not traveling as such. I'm in a bubble. That means 90% of the time I don't leave the hotel or tennis court. Not allowed. I also think it's important that people should know that. Complaining about the cost of a bag doesn't mean I don't feel grateful because I do. And I've said that many times before. But that doesn't mean I can't think $1,000 is a lot for a bag? Question mark. I would have thought the same thing two years ago. It's a sad day when this has been made into something it's not. Let's get back to real news. She then left a series of other comments on the Instagram page. There was quite a few. So if you want to have a look at those, go to SoDramaticPodcast underscore on Instagram and take a look. Now, as someone who always overpacks for trips, I am usually stung with having to pay extra baggage at airports. And yes, it is annoying. Last time I went on a trip was to Byron for a wedding, I think. And I literally had to pay. I think it was like $150 for two kilos that I was over. That is 30 minutes to Byron. So I can believe that adding an extra 30 kilogram bag traveling halfway across the world would be as much as $1,000. It does seem like standard pricing to me because freight is very expensive and not booking your bags prior means that that weight is not available then for freight, which means less money for the airline. And in the current climate, the airlines are already in a shitty position. So they need to be able to make the most money wherever they can. Now, in a statement to news.com.au, a spokesperson for Etihad said that they were disappointed by Britney's complaint, but stand by the baggage charge. They said, Etihad is aware of this particular case. And while we are disappointed that Miss Hockley was not fully satisfied with her traveling experience, we stand by the way this case was handled. Ahead of the flight, our guest services team informed the passenger of the excess baggage fee per kilogram which is fixed according to the end destination. It was also explained that as a code share flight, excess baggage had to be purchased at the airport. Due to the limited capacity available in support of critical cargo movements globally, there is unfortunately a premium on cargo and baggage costs. While we do our best to accommodate guests, it is not always possible to provide upgrades at the time of check-in depending on the catering provision for the flight. The airline's website baggage rule is that the cost of bags does depend on the route being taken. Then on the FAQ section, it says passengers can book extra baggage quickly and easily online up to four hours before their flight, which will also result in 30% off the airline's standard rates. Alternatively, the airline says passengers can pay for extra baggage by calling the contact team or at the airport. Look, sure, Brit has to spend 90% of the time at work. But so do all of us. We just don't get to do it from Mallorca. She did say recently on her podcast that she was looking forward to being back with Jordan. It just feels a little insensitive to me for her to post complaining about travel at the moment when so many people have been separated from their families for so long and have been unable to see them despite the circumstances or exemptions requested on compassionate grounds, i.e. dying relatives. I know people who have been knocked back even when they've had someone in their family on their deathbed. And then after this all went down, when this was all blowing up, Britt then posted a photo from her lavish hotel room 
room in Mallorca. I'm sure there are a lot of people who would do some pretty unspeakable things at the moment to be able to have their bubble with that view. Now, the same day that Brit asked us to get back to real news, the Australian published an article saying that Australians were growing increasingly frustrated at the travel restrictions. So the whole thing is just very bad timing. Read the room, babe. And yes, it seems that these frustrations from Australians not being able to travel are not translated to influencers. And Brit is not the only blue ticker who has managed to find a way to get herself out of Australia and overseas. In fact, there have been quite a few moving freely across international borders in recent times. Married at First Sight alumni Tamara Joy recently left Australia, and I am told by a friend that she left to see a man. She then stated on her Instagram stories that she would be able to return to Australia pending a negative COVID test, which seems very basic compared to the Australians who have been waiting for months and months on wait lists to get home. Now, I'm unsure what Tamara cited as her reason to travel, but she interestingly has been photographed in Manchester. She was also living with another blue tick and fitness influencer and UK Love Island star Thomas Powell, who she's supposedly dating now. However, it seems that according to Tamara's Instagram stories, she's now in a brand new country as well, Wales. So she has kept her international travel going. Prior to leaving the country, she also left Melbourne to every blue tick's favourite Australian destination, the Gold Coast. You could not swing a fake Versace purse at the Gold Coast anymore without knocking out a once Melbourneian, now Queenslander, blue tick bandit. Another blue ticker who was left for brighter days is The Bachelor's Helena Sorzia. Helena lived through the lockdown of 2020 in Sydney, which I also survived. We should all get t-shirts, guys. But Helena has also left Sydney for sunnier shores. In August 2020, Helena announced that she was in a relationship with Australian sailor Tom Slingsby. And just as well, because it seems that it was anchors away and luckily Tom's team needed an executive assistant to join their ranks just in time for the cruise trip to Italy. So if there are any sailors who are also jetting to European summer and need someone to, I don't know, clean the boat, (laughs) executive assistant, lifeguard, I am available from yesterday. Someone in the Facebook group actually commented, I wonder if I can get my mum an exemption to be the executive assistant at my baby's birth. Iconic. The other blue ticker who has been traveling abroad whilst the rest of us get to know our backyards very well is Bernard Tomic's girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend slash girlfriend again, Vanessa Sierra. The way she was able to travel out of the country was she was claiming that she was now Bernard's tennis coach. The OnlyFans star and Bitcoin millionaire seems to have a multitude of skills that have led her all across the world. Another celebrity who recently flew into Sydney to promote her podcast was Charlotte Crosby. Her exact words were, flying in to meet my Nova family. However, there are people who cannot travel to visit their actual family members at the moment, even when they're dying. Go figure. And another influencer who was affected last weekend by the cruel curse of COVID was Abby Chatfield. After having flown from her home in Bondi to Brisbane and then Byron, Abby was forced to come home early on her birthday as she was from the Bondi cluster. In an emotional Instagram story, Abby cried about not getting to see her mom after she had bought party hats for her. Then she was not able to order Uber Eats because of torrential downpour in Sydney. So it turns out all of us can be affected by COVID in some way. Now, there was lots of discussion about this topic this week in the Facebook group. If you want to join the conversation, that is at So Dramatic Podcast Community. I also did a little poll on Instagram to gauge the audience's reaction to this. And I said... Do you think influencers should be granted travel exemptions to fly overseas? 98% of you said no. Also, just a quick disclaimer, I am not saying that any of these people mentioned above have broken the law. They have all been granted permission by the Australian government to travel for essential work, compassionate grounds, etc, etc, whatever, whatever. Anyway, be right back. Currently looking for a boyfriend who needs urgent admin assistance overseas. Warning. Oh my God. Okay, let's focus. That's all the tea I've got for you drama queens today. Before you go, I have some important announcements to make. First, some devastating news. As mentioned, I am taking a two-week recording break, so this is the last time you'll hear from me for a little while. I'm using up all of my annual leave and I deserve it. I will still be working. I just need some time to catch my breath after maths, cleanse my soul before The Bachelor, start a GoFundMe for energy healing after the Amanda Mikulov saga, get an exorcism after Bryce, inhale some Ventolin and other substances, legal of course, etc, etc. I have made some mistakes this year. I've learned some lessons. I've sinned a lot. 
but I will be back next season to make the same mistakes and sin some more. With you guys, of course. But seriously, I cannot thank you all enough for the support over the last year. It has been so wild. It has been such a crazy ride. You guys have been so incredible and I honestly could not have done it without your support. And of course, all of the tip-offs from the Drama Army and incredible work you guys do each and every single day. It has truly been a group effort and we're just getting started. I cannot wait to see what the next 12 months has in store for the Drama Army and So Dramatic. Big, big things in the pipeline and I cannot wait for you guys to see all of that and get involved. Now for the important announcement. You guys have been asking me to do some live shows, some meetups, all of that. Now I did have a live show at Melbourne Central planned a couple of weeks ago, but unfortunately that had to be cancelled due to COVID. But I have also been working on something even bigger than that and way more exciting that I will be announcing on Instagram on Monday the 28th. Yes, so make sure you check Instagram for that huge news. Cannot wait for you guys to see that. It is so exciting. Before we tie the bow on this season and year of So Dramatic, I have one more request from you before we go. Housekeeping. Actually, let's spice it up. I'm going to give five merch packs away to the people with the best Instagram posts sharing where and how they're listening to So Dramatic or the best caption or response to a part of the episode or even share what you loved most about So Dramatic over the past 12 months. Any highlights, tag me so I can reshare and judge and then give the prizes away. Wear your love for drama on your sleeve or on your t-shirt at least. But seriously, as well as that, please rate me five stars, follow, subscribe, leave me a review. No hate mail, please. During the break, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and please keep sending in your receipts during this time. I will be stockpiling them so I can return with a bang. And in the meantime, if you're hungry for content, go back and listen to any episodes you haven't already. Or if you're a true Drama Army member, go back and listen to your favorites again and again and again. I will also have an exciting Patreon episode dropping on July 1. There is a link in the show notes for you to join that. I've got a special guest coming on the show and I'm also going to drop a bonus episode on here during the break about my surgery Q&A. I had so many questions coming in about that and I will see you all in hell in two weeks time. Goodbye, good riddance and good luck. Ciao for now. Kind regards. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god. So dramatic with Megan Pacetto.